people off. And Jacks. We enjoy creating and recording these podcasts and hope you enjoy listening to them as well. When you become our patron, it gives us the chance to apply more energy towards creating. For as little as a dollar a month, you can not only support the podcast, but gain access to special content. Head over to patreon.com slash erotic awakening to take a look at options. And regardless, thank you for watching the show. Watching. The watching the show, the show this time yeah. instead of listening. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. If you're offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you listening. Oh, you stop listening. Right now. <laughs> right now. I had a William Shatner moment there as I was talking and it fucked me up. We've only been saying that line for nine and a half no, years. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, it used to be this long. Yeah. And then it kind of... And then every time shorter. you get used to it, I like to flip things around. I noticed that. <laughs> Hi, Don. Hi, Dan. Today on the podcast, we are going to be talking about ordeal scenes. We have an interview with... Fista. Fista, who we just recently ran into at Weekend of Wickedness up mm-hmm. in the Albany, New York. And you actually mm-hmm. had a... Oh, or is that is that private between the two of you? We won't talk about it then. Oh, no, it's not private. Okay. <laughs> Is anything I do private? Mostly <laughs> Absolutely not. not. No, so, no. You had a very um, nice scene with her. Did, did. So um, we had an awesome interview with her and talked about some ordeal stuff and um, being an ordeal facilitator and things like that in, in scenes and um, things to watch out for and, and all that type of stuff. And then her and I got talking afterwards. You left and her and I got talking and... We kind of figured out we wanted to try an ordeal scene. So, and I think, yes, I still have pokey marks. <laughs> Not Pokemon marks, pokey marks. Marks for being also, Yep, she's also yes, a needle okay. top. So, yeah. And we have to do some needle play, which we can't do in this county. Well, oddly enough, no, not here in the Franklin County in the Columbus, Ohio. No yeah, penetration no. of skin on purpose. Right. You can penetrate. <laughs> But no breaking of skin on purpose. So yeah, so uh, so that was kind of neat because she had asked, well, what can you usually take, and you know, how many needles have you had before? And I'm like, oh my god, it's been so long. Uh, I don't know. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> You've had some serious needle work done. Yeah, medium. I don't know about serious. I still really? I still want a needle corset. Is the needles and the ribbon well, down my back? We're not talking about needle play on today's podcast, but I would say you have had some serious needle play done. The feathers. Yeah. Not only the ordeal <laughs> scenes, we're also going to talk about our question of the day is about scaring people off, mm-hmm. not on purpose. Not on purpose. And of course, we have some more naughty questions as of well. Of course. And as you may have noticed, if you're on our Patreon account, about 10 minutes ago, I published a little image of what the studio looked like 10 minutes ago, which was a fucking wreck. <laughs> um, thank you to our Patreon supporters. We ended up with this nice new webcam. Hello, webcam. Hi. And uh, we're working on getting that all straightened out mm-hmm. and becoming so that whenever we record a podcast, not only does it go out like it has always in the past, but also there'll be a live version of it. Right. I'm oh, sorry, a video version and a live video version of it as well. We're not ready for that yet. We're not That's- ready for the live video. Like we said in the last podcast, uh, the last time we tried live video it was a little cluster yes <laughs> that's a few years back so we want to make sure we're, we're all ready to take your questions live before we do that so absolutely um <laughs> it takes some it takes some magic <laughs> it's more along the lines with just how sneaky people are some of the questions we got we were talking about mm-hmm. power exchange relationships and oh uh, yeah that was on the playboy station right yeah, yeah. and and somebody we just the, the most interesting questions well that didn't really have much to do with what we were talking about <sighs> And some of the questions were 
how, how can you tell your woman to be my dom or something like that? Remember that? It's yes. like, we're a power exchange couple. Dawn's a slave. Dan's a dominant. And then the people would get on live. How, how can, do you make your slave more dominant? Yeah. How do you make your slave more dominant? <laughs> I don't. Well, That's really not what I want out of my slave. To. <laughs> Finally, about that new video thing, as you'll notice, we've been playing with the wall back here a little bit. Uh, oh, nobody yeah. likes my Andy Warhol back here. I like your cat, but it just needs a frame. So if you, old podcast <laughs> listener, uh, would like to send something, and I will stick it on the wall back there, whatever you send to us uh, without any reservations. Mostly because I don't think it can show like penetrative sex or something like that. Yeah, it can't be porn, and it can't be something that is um, totally against who we are philosophically. So, for Ooh. example, perhaps you have a particular uh, political figure that you think we should vote for, and you want to send us <laughs> a picture of said political figure figure may not end up on that wall may not end up on that wall and we do have some ideas of a few things we can put yeah. up there as well so you'll see that change around but if you have an event that you're pitching and, and oh that's a neat idea yeah absolutely we'll put it on the wall for a while i don't know if people will be able to read it but we can put it back there maybe we should put our um penis reduction pills, pills. bumper <laughs> sticker up there that would be awesome so don our uh question of the day starts off like this have you ever told anyone your or felt you might be Scare someone off when you tell them what your kinky what, what it is that I like. Are. What oh, it is that you like? Absolutely. Have you? Uh, you? Yeah. Although we kind of discovered our desires together, and you were more coming out to me, and I was more like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because I had just come out to the ex-husband, and he was like, "What the fuck?" So tell us that story a little bit. <laughs> Well, I got two stories to tell you. So um, one is the ex-husband and it's like, you know, I was having more and more of these desires and he was just, he's a good, he was a good guy. Right. But very vanilla, very, very, very vanilla. And um, I was having some more kinky desires and wanting to act on them and wanting to get onto IRC and chat about mm -hmm. them and find people to figure out what all this is about. And um, I ended up telling him and I really got the response of you're a sick puppy, you know, and then I would talk about it some more and, and it would still try to scare him off. And then he ended up trying it. Right. And he tried it with me. I took him to some, a demo. Right. We got invited to a, an, a demo. It was somebody's uh, wedding shower it was a wedding shower it's okay. the thing that you do oh, before yeah, yeah, your wedding yeah, yeah. so and they had they were a power exchange couple and they had little demo stations set up and people coming in to do it so i took him to that and it just totally freaked him out and then i actually tried to explore it with him a little bit and that freaked him out even more so that was totally off the table he had totally scared him off totally yeah changed his viewpoint on me that's for sure right, right. so then when i'm going to tell you about it remember i went to that demo got bruised, right? And wanted to show you the bruise. Yes. And was terrified because we were just friends at the time, mm -hmm. right? And you've never seen any parts of my anatomy that were not supposed right, to be right. seen by friends. I wanted to show you my ass. <laughs> and I wanted to show you the bruise on it. And even though you had acted like and had come across like you would be totally accepting uh -huh. of it, I was still terrified of showing this to you and showing you actual bruising and losing your friendship. Yep. And instead, here we are 18 years later. <laughs> I'm so, the one putting those bruises there. So, exactly. So, but I went through the same thing with Big D. Right. Remember? So met Big D in the poly community and had no clue that he knew anything about this. So we we were like on 
our fourth or fifth date before I knew that it was going to go further. And I also knew that I had no interest in vanilla sex again. So I wrote him this long email going, you know, you're probably going to think I'm weird, blah, blah, blah. But I was totally scared of scaring him off and then didn't get an email in reply. So I broke it off. Okay, so obviously you can't handle this. I'm taking it all back. No dating, not interested, blah, blah, blah. And boom, right away, he contacted me. I wrote you. And he, yeah, we had to find that email because he had to send it again. So he had to forward it to me again with it. So, yep, thought I'd scared him off too. So from your experiences then, how do you recommend that people do that? How would you suggest to people, hey, let me go out to, um, I'm interested in somebody and I I want to do, I want to tell them about my more kinkier styles of sex. Mm-hmm. And if you do want to tell them, how are you going to tell them that? Do you did the email trick work for you or would you recommend something else? The email trick worked for me because I'm an introvert and I would much rather write something, let it sit for a little bit, read it again and see if it comes across the way I wanted it to come across and make the changes that I wanted to make. It's much harder for me to do that in person mm-hmm. because even though I'm a podcast host and even though I present and even though I do other things on the fly, sometimes it's really hard for me to come up with the words that I'm looking for, right? I'm a very visual person. So to try to come up with the words that match what it is I'm picturing can actually be really difficult for me. So it is much easier for me to do it in writing. I think I would do it more upfront next time. With Big D, I wasn't upfront right away because I didn't know if it was going to work out because we have some very opposite, polar right. opposite beliefs. So I wasn't so sure that that was going to work out. That that was going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I think uh, telling people right up front, but, you know, there's still some people that are scared to tell people. Sure. I mean, we just went to a meeting the other night, Polly and Kinky, where people were talking about there at the end that they were scared to tell people in their life what it is that they enjoy Mm -hmm. so i don't know i i I, for me you know i i think that there's a time where in the very beginning of a relationship you're not particularly emotionally invested in it yet Mm -hmm. so my perspective is you know a lot of people will say well get to know the person first before you go dropping these bombs on them my my thinking is the opposite i don't want Mm -hmm. you to build this emotional attachment to me and then i'd say oh by the way i really dig kinky sex and you don't really dig kinky sex, but you're like, Oh, okay. I can work with that because I'm emotionally invested. I'd rather tell you right off the bat, here's who I am. Here's who I am. And and in a variety of ways, right? Here's who I am politically. Here's who I am socially. Here's who I am emotionally. Mm -hmm. Here's who I am from a relationship perspective to the best of my understanding. I understand we all change and grow and all that stuff's going to change. Right. But and here's who I am from a kink and a sex perspective. And I have had that situation more than once. I was dating somebody not uh, a couple of years ago. And on by date number two, maybe date number three, we had the sex conversation. And her viewpoint was I could live, give or take. You know, it's not that important to me. Right. At that point in my life, it was very important to me as a way to create connection and intimacy with people. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, we're done. I didn't right. say it that way, but I recognized at that point, you know, to know that we're done. So even though you may be scared to tell somebody that stuff, do you want to be with somebody a year? To, you know, and how many times have you heard people tell the story? I've been with somebody for 10 years or 15 years. And still haven't told them. Yeah. And had to keep it in the closet. And then, yeah. and not only sometimes is the story go, and then I told him and we broke up. 
Or then I told him, and we've been coming to the kiki stuff ever since, right? Yeah. And I keep thinking, oh, I wasted 15 years. I could just should just said something to start with. Right. Right. Now I hear you. And I totally agree with the talking about things right off the bat. I'm kind of that. I'm like that too. I don't like to waste time. And so when I started having coffee with Big D, we talked about the politics. We talked about religion. We talked about all that stuff like in the first coffee date. Uh Right. And then found out we were polar opposites, but that we could have a conversation and talk about it. And that was more important to me than where we fell on the spectrum. And I really wish that I had said right up front what it was that I was into, you know, kink wise, because, or that I was even into kink and power exchange and all that type of stuff, because that was a hellish time for me when I wrote that email and got all worried about it. And, you know, that oh, great, you're so, being judged yeah, and, that I'm going to be yeah. judged and rejected and, you know, and all of that. So I would rather do that right off the bat, but I had just come out of another relationship and it had been a podcast listener that I was dating. So I figured because they knew everything about me that it would go nice and smoothly and it didn't. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I don't know, but no, I absolutely agree with the telling them right off the bat. Yeah. The tricky bit to it is, um, and yeah, the only thing that I would add to that is that for the polyamory perspective, day Mm -hmm. one, right off the bat. Oh, polyamory. Absolutely. So, and because now he, now big D knew that I was in power exchange he had to have because. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, he guys knew because he yeah. knew me. He knew who we were. Right. And we he presented. Knew we were. Right. But I really didn't think that he knew about like the kinky stuff. Uh-huh. We had talked about the power exchange, but not the kinky stuff so much. And yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, I just can't do vanilla. <laughs> so I'm going to expand upon this question a little bit with nothing to do with this particular I, it is related to this mm-hmm. question, okay. right? Okay. Will you also tell people right off the bat, do you recommend to tell people your STI status? Day one. Day one. Maybe not. Maybe once have as soon as the sex little, conversation. As soon as the sex conversation starts. As soon as that's the sex, part of the story. Not day one because I don't know that I'm emotionally invested in them enough to even go on the road of sex. Right. You know. I mean, but as soon as it looks like that is, yeah, I have the conversation before we do the naughty stuff. Yeah. And well, of course, before even the naughty stuff gets that's, planned. That's it's tricky, right? It because is very you want tricky. that to be somewhat instinctive and just kind of flow as well. Yeah, because like the first coffee that that Big D and I did, the first coffee that we did, we were just trying to see if we were compatible. Hey, why are you getting in contact with me? Hey, I thought you were kind of cool. Hey, uh-huh. you know, you know, and then just doing that sort of talking. I'm not going to do STI status on that because that's like saying, you know, this is going into the land of fuckery. So I would like to do, you know, I don't want to set that expectation right to begin with on the first get to know you date. Yeah. But after that, if it looks like it's going in that direction, I mean, we talked about it really soon. So, but um, that, that's yeah. one where you'll have to, you, I agree. You you have to set that. What's best for you. Uh, we don't have significant STI issues. So it's hard for us to come from that perspective of, you right. know, but it's good to have the conversation prior to, you know what the nice thing about the conversation is because if people freak out about it, yeah, it, it gives you a good indicator of who they are. Yeah. So what I, what I actually did with our STI conversation was, so, you know, it was like, just to let you know, I'm only fluid bonded with Dan. Right. And then here's our protocols for how we right. handle protection after that. 
And then, you know, here's when the last test was, here's what the results are, here's when the next test will be, blah, blah, blah. And then I expect in kind, you know, yeah. what are your rules? What are your expectations? Because you're also married. So what am I getting into? Yeah. So and that's if, if the person is with other people mm -hmm. or even if you're, if you're, if you're going to make a monogamous relationship to start off with an, an open book for that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. they know what they're getting into. Absolutely. For all I know, you people out there are virgins <laughs> and ha don't have that issue. Oh, everybody all. watching this is a virgin. Absolutely. No, no, I <laughs> well, what do you think about the question of the day? How do you do it? Head over to our Facebook page, Erotic Awakening Podcast. All one word. And share your <laughs> thoughts. So, Dawn, uh, even though we are doing a. Really? Oh, yes. cool. We I are doing a video podcast, uh, and we have 281 subscribers on the YouTube. Oh, nice. Which is kind of nice. Hi. We also have uh, – this is also going out to our audio listeners as well because we currently – last time I looked, which was last week, have 4,012,098 downloads of the Erotic wow. Awakening podcast around around the world. I haven't That's looked at the world lately. Yeah, but we still get people that um, – reach out to us from different countries and join the mailing list, the, the newsletter list from different countries and stuff like that. So that's really kind of neat. It is really neat. Not only that we have over 4 million downloads, which I understand is not the same as 4 million listeners because I download lots of podcasts that I never listen to. <laughs> it is also interesting to think that we have 461 episodes of you and me talking right out on, you know, available mm -hmm. for people to listen to. So something that you might've said to me eight years ago that you regret saying. Everybody in the world knows about it. <laughs> well, that's okay. I'm getting ready to translate those episodes too. Trans <laughs> translate, transcribe those episodes too. So they'll also be in writing. Yes, yes. <sighs> um, the random erotic awakening Instagram follower of today is Mitzi Delish. Nice. You can find us on Instagram and see our picture of the day. We are erotic awakening on the Instagram. Did you, did you post the picture you took today? Uh, yeah, I did of the uh, Poly Express. Yeah, yes, that was kind of cool. So uh, me, Dan, and Karen were out to breakfast, and we came across a truck that says Poly Express, and it had a parrot on it. So we had to stand in front of it and click, click. What are they actually deliver? I have no clue, but the guy was sitting up in his cab, so I'm kind of curious what he was thinking when we pull up beside him, jump out, three of us. Cheese, yes. click, and jump back in the truck and go. Speaking of the Poly Express, uh, the Beyond the Love is a three-day event in November in Columbus, Ohio, run it by is. Yumi and Karen. The tickets are now on sale. Tickets are on, on sale. sale. And they're, they're the early bird super secret tickets yes. where you can get them before we've announced all the presenters and all that. We have mm -hmm. announced Franklin Vo oh. is joining us. We will soon be announcing a couple other presenters that are joining us. Five more that we mm -hmm. picked this morning. So, so, uh, but you can go and get the cheapy tickets now and understand it will be a fantastic event. Ask anybody who's been. Mm -hmm. We are very fortunate that that event uh, has wonderful staff and has had wonderful presenters and wonderful people that show up yeah. and has become oh, just a and one of the um, one of the poly events. One of the poly events also. So, and we are on year six. This is our sixth year with this event. And we always have a waiting list. So I highly recommend if you know you're going to go ahead and get your ticket and get it at the cheapy price. It's only going to be early bird price for three weeks. Yep. And then we bump it up. Now we're in a bigger hotel. So we can have more people there. This a, few more time. People. a few more people. But we still want to stay so, intimate. So we're not going to add a no, ton of people. We're not adding a ton of people. So if you don't want to end up on the waiting list, it's a great event. Yep. Uh, so really uh, interesting is the 50 dirty questions that'll <laughs> turn you both on and make you want to have sex. So last time on the dirty questions, we talked a little bit about dirty talk. 
Uh-huh. Our first dirty question is the follow-up to those. Dawn, what is the dirtiest thing someone's ever said to you during sex? I actually read this differently. Yeah. But it's the dirtiest thing anyone said to you during oh, sex. Oh, so the dirtiest thing that I have received mm -hmm. by verbal communication. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing that pops into my head, and if I look over the 18 years that we've been doing this, there's probably been a lot of, a lot of dirty stuff. But the one that pops into my head was the dirtiest was you and me when we were first together and you whispered in my ear that you wanted to see me with another man or you wanted ah. to see me suck another man's cock. And it's before we had done any of that. And we're still exploring. When we got together, we knew we were going to go or kind of knew we were going to go in that direction. But for you to actually say it to me while you were fucking me, that was hot. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see me pointing at you? I did. I did. I felt that. That was insane. Because um, I don't usually poke you. I know. Now everybody out there knows what a poker you are. Um, I will say that the dirtiest thing that anyone said to me during sex that I can remember at the top of my head. This is the first thing that came to my mind. Anyway, mm -hmm. Somebody went who I was having the sex with went from saying, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God mm -hmm. to Oh Dan, Oh Dan, Oh Dan. Nice. That was, well, what they should have said was go ahead and come now, dumbass. Cause <laughs> you just lost all your reserves. Right. Uh, that was probably, and Oh, I tell you, that is just something about when somebody says, not only somebody says your name, but also what they want you to do. Mm -hmm. Also, one of the, the hottest things somebody could say is, you know, not only is, I, I, we're all for the, and we'll have to do another Dirty Talk podcast. Obviously, because this is awesome. Because I'm all for the, tell me what you want me to do, or you're a hot little slut, and all that kind of stuff, and all that's mm -hmm. great. But that very visceral um, saying someone's name. Mm -hmm. Or just this, there's a difference when someone thinks about something and says it, mm -hmm. or it just flows out of them. That, oh, the, yeah. the fuck me that just flows out of I them. love to get to the point where it's just flowing out. Yeah. I don't care what you think. And, you know, I'm not trying to elicit a response from you or anything like that. And it's just coming out. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, hurt me is also a favorite. Uh-huh. While you're fucking somebody hurt me. Yeah. That's pretty insane. Uh, again, that's just some things you could say to make Dan come quickly if you wanted to, which why would you want to? <laughs> uh, Dawn, have you ever watched another couple get it on without them knowing? Sure. We go to swing clubs. Yeah. So, I mean, they don't particularly know it's me watching them. Right. Right. They may know they're being watched or they're doing it in an area with a window or something. So they know they can be watched. But, but have you ever watched it? I mean, when we go to a swing club, there is an assumption that you're what somebody is you, you, in case you're not familiar with the way swing clubs work, at least the one, the few that we've been to, if the door is closed, we don't want people to watch us. If the right. door is open, we want people to join us. If the door is open and there's a little chain across it, we want people to watch, but not join us. Right. Okay. Unless there's a window in the wall in which there's a separate <laughs> sort of thing. Have you ever watched anyone getting it on without them knowing? So like not watched. at a swing club or yeah, something. Yeah. Um, I, the answer probably is yes. You may not remember it. And I, it may not count. Well, the only thing I can think of is I didn't, I wasn't watching them, but we were at J and M's house and we heard them through their bedroom window. She was, <laughs> she was screaming <laughs> his name. So we heard that, but did not see it. Right. So and which one are you thinking of? And I recall being at J&M's house when they had the other house and hearing the neighbors across the street. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that's who I mean. And I remember that dude's name. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's who she was. I thought screaming. you meant you heard JM. No, no, no. We've watched JM and they yes. invited us to watch. Yeah. Um, no, I was thinking there was a hotel. Well, we that's because were... they were here and we were here. Yeah, and, and we they went were together with us them. Too. <laughs> we went to a hotel and we I was watching, walking by this. You know how sometimes the doors have courtyards in the middle? The hotel does, and there's mm-hmm. doors leading into the courtyard, mm-hmm. and there's sliding glass doors like at our old hotel. Yeah. And I w- remember walking by and seeing people fucking in there. Like they had the just a real thin curtain that oh. you can't tell when the light's on in there that you, people can still see you. Right. It was in Arizona. I think it, I can remember seeing that in Arizona, and that was kind of a kink event. It was absolutely a kink event, but I don't think their intent was to be watched. But I've seen that at uh, other hotel, uh, at least one other time as well, Okay. where it wasn't a kink event, where just somebody was screwing, and you walk by and you look and you go, whoa. So you have to walk nice. by again and go, whoa. <laughs> whoa. So there you go. I have not seen that. I would like to. <laughs> and then the other question we've already answered, have you watched another couple have sex with their permission? Lots of times. It's a hobby. <laughs> couple new subscribers to the newsletter, including Smile Eyes out of New Jersey. And For the One and Only out of Florida. And Rigor Needs Bound in West Virginia. Nice. Get your EA shout out. Head over to eroticawakening.com and you'll find a link to the EA newsletter. And it is on my list to get that newsletter done. You so, say that every week. But we go on vacation Monday morning. We're going to be staying with the Kevin and Katie. In Yay! the Chicago. In the Chicago area. So we're going to get some hiking done. I don't know. I'm getting that newsletter done. Right. And so. chilling and relaxing. Oh, I can't say we're going to go there and um, do Netflix and chill. Why? I found out Netflix. last night, Netflix and chill. It's not because they don't have Netflix. Oh. Netflix and chill, according to the kids, is a new way to say we're going to go fuck. Really? Yes. So someone oh at, uh, we were at Kinky and Geeky. Up. <laughs> last night we were at Kinky and Geeky. And by the way, the people we've seen most recently is people who were at Kinky and Geeky who mentioned the podcast and none of them gave me permission to say anything about them. But you know who you are. <laughs> but somebody had said, I said something. I was thinking about boinking you until mm-hmm. you said that. Yeah. And somebody across the table, I was just in jest, right? right? And somebody across the table said, you know, you, there's about a dozen better ways you could have said that. So I said, all right, I challenge you. What are your dozen better ways to say that? To say boinking? Yes. Okay. And uh, they said everything from making love to fucking, and they came up with a couple other ones. But the important one to come back to our conversation is apparently if you tell someone, you know, we went off and did Netflix and chill. That's another way of saying we went and had sex. I don't like that. If you tell me Netflix and chill, I'm going to picture Netflix and chilling, not fucking. Well, <laughs> That's going to be a surprise later. In <laughs> 10 years, 12, 15 years from now, when the granddaughter is old enough, and if she ever says she's got to go to Netflix and chill, you need to be up on, on what that means. Right. Yes, yes. And so that you parents. can give them the safety talk. <laughs> Um, oh, that'll probably be left to me, won't it? That is one thing about being the family freak. Yeah. You get to have the strange conversations. Strange conversations. Nah, I think their mom and dad will do good. Yeah, I'm sure they will. <laughs> Don, did you know the mom and dad would do good podcast is higher rated than Erotic Awakening? Not possible. Don't tell me. No. Take <laughs> <laughs> a moment to support the podcast. Rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube, or wherever you listen. Someone came up with another one. Recently. FM player. FM player? I think it was FM player, which was broken, but now it works. Now it works? Okay, cool. I hadn't heard of that one either one. So awesome. So tell your friends. Any new tentacle boobs? 
Well, I got um, I got another link to that comic with the condoms on the tentacles. Yeah. So someone sent that through the private Facebook page. Yep. So and I think I got her first name. Yeah, Sarah. So yep. So that's on the private Facebook page. So if you want to see the comic, you want to join the private Facebook page so you can see an octopus putting. Oh, you put condoms. that actually on the. They oh, did. because they did. They did. Perfect. They Fantastic. put it on there. So yeah. So that's what there. we should do with those darn things to keep a, a record of them. Oh, put them, them on the Facebook? Yeah. Oh, that would be neat. Absolutely. And it's a private group, so they can be the naughty ones, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Very cool. cool. Um, so that's about it. Before we get into this topic, you will see us at COPE this weekend here in the Central Ohio Conversion It's going to be a lot of fun. I've got a new purple harness coming in. So, and I'm hoping the way it hooks, it hooks under the boobs, so I don't have to wear a bra. Uh -huh. I just go braless and harness and boobs and my kilt and my purple boots. I'm going to be purple, purple, going to be the purple out. Purple out. <laughs> All right. If you are not coming to Columbus, Ohio, you can see us at um, Second Saturday Society in Holland, Michigan on August 25th. That event is out there. And one of our podcast listeners wrote and said they would be joining us there. So we're oh, looking nice. forward to that. Oh, yeah. I sent them the link to the Fed, yep. the Fed event. So there is a Fed event out there. If you, you know, that's another way to figure out where we're going too. So, well, on the website and under our FET thingy. Oh, yeah, with the events that we're going mm -hmm. to, yeah. And uh, that's where we will be. So that's about it. Other than our topic of the day, we are talking to FISTA about ordeal scenes. And we mm -hmm. had that conversation a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you and I have both done ordeal scenes. We've, You've, we've talked a little bit about Bottoming and topping. We've facilitated ordeal scenes and we've participated had other people do ordeal scenes with us. Yes. I was just trying I to think. think you've only done one. Bottoming. I've one only done bottoming. one. Yes. I'm trying to think if I've done. Well, you know what? Bottoming for me is always an ordeal. Oh, <laughs> no, but this was a huge one. Your, your big one involved yeah. bondage and needles and all that type of stuff I got to do to you as it's, a priestess. Somebody just asked neat. me the other day, what kink do I most dislike? What have yeah. I tried that I liked the least? And bondage was what I said. I've tried being yeah. tied up, and that is the one I, I really dislike. Different people, at least two people. At least two. I don't remember. Me and your first wife. First wife mm -hmm. for the ordeal scene. For the ordeal, and that's the only time I've done bondage on you is for the yeah. ordeal, ordeal scene. And then the uh, time that I got blindfolded and tied up, and another woman had sex with you. Oh yeah, yeah, but smiley it was, face. It was the kind of being tied up that I can deal with. Yeah, job. I could have gone. Boink, yeah, you could. Yeah, you could have done that. So yeah, so you've only been the bottom for one, once, but it was huge. That was a huge one. Oh yeah. Um, I've been the bottom for one, twice, three times now. I think the whale ritual, the phoenix ritual, the one I just did with Fista. Nope, the one that I did with Coral. There's four. I feel like there's more than that, but I'm not sure. I'm so it's been a long trip. I know it's, it's been 18 years. And then we've facilitated ordeal rituals, top ordeal rituals. Oh yeah. few. So yeah, I've done a few in the middle of the dungeon. We've had, Oh, it's been awesome. Mm -hmm. So we've had really good experience with this. So it was kind of neat. So someone wrote in and they wanted to talk more about ordeal ritual and or ordeal scenes or ordeal BDSM. And we really didn't feel like we could talk about it a lot, but we've got some experience. Yeah. We could have talked about but it. it some. Sometimes it's nice to bring in someone else to get a different set of eyes. Absolutely. So, and that's what we did. And they spoke up and said that they could do this. And it was a really neat, neat conversation. Yeah. 
If you are currently watching the video and waiting for Thista to walk in that door, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Not Flip over happen. to the audio version and to hear that interview. Awesome. So Don, here we are at the weekend of wickedness up in upstate New York area, and we are very fortunate to be joined by Thista, who every time she keeps trying to tell us a story, we jump in with, but oh, we did Wait. this, we did this, what about this? I know, I know. Let us turn on the button and then we'll get the stories out. Right. So we're going to have the opportunity, we're going to go ahead and uh, talk less and let you have some talk time, Thista. First off, thank you for being on the podcast. You're so very welcome. It's a pleasure. And my understanding is you are currently involved in one of our favorite events, Dark Odyssey, and you do a lot of stuff there. But what we want to talk about tonight is this general category of ordeal stuff. Mm -hmm. So let me start off by asking, what does that actually mean? What do you mean by when you say ordeal? That's a really excellent question. And I think you'll get as many different answers as you'll get people who practice ordeal work. Um, when I sit down and try to break down what makes an ordeal an ordeal, uh, what are the core factors that make something an ordeal experience? And I'm going to use that term broadly because sometimes ordeal happens in a scene. Sometimes it happens in a ritual. Sometimes it just happens because life is shitty and things happen and you have to deal with them. Um, and so what are the four core factors in my opinion? Um, number one is some kind of suffering. Um, it mm. has to be hard. It has to challenge you. Sometimes it's physical suffering, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is mental anguish or emotional pain. Um, one is intent without expectation. Um, this idea that yes. you have this goal, um, and that's one of my other core factors is a goal. And these two go hand in hand is you have to have this goal of, okay, here's this suffering. Here's my goal for what I want to get out of facing that suffering. You have to have that goal without any expectations of what's going to be on the other side of it. Because if you already know how the story ends, there's no point in doing an ordeal. At that point, you have a scene, which can be sacred and profound and moving in its own right, but is, in my mind, different. It's something else. It mm -hmm. is sacred sex. It is beautiful and profound and wonderful, but it's not what I would call ordeal. Okay. Um, and then the last piece of it is something inarticulable or unknowable or uncertain. Um, it can be something like you have no idea what's going to happen. You've put your limits and your trust into a facilitator and they're going to make this for you and challenge you in some way. Um, or it could be you know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to sit you up on that cross. They're going to flog you. And you just have no idea what's going to come up from within you in that moment. Mm -hmm. And it could, it could break your brain or it could be this simple, oh my gosh. Um, so that uncertainty to me is a core factor in ordeal. So the first thing I want to ask about from that is just this idea of intent without expectations. Mm -hmm. So explain that a little bit because it sounds like an oxymoron. If I have an well, intent, how can I have an intent without expectations? But we've, we've got things, we've got examples that we could say, so I absolutely want to hear yours. Um, the idea is saying, okay, take for example, um, someone has a really hard relationship with their mother. Mm -hmm. And they have this intent that they want to do an ordeal that involves some kind of 
mommy boy play where they're going to face that relationship in a way that deeply challenges them on an emotional level. Okay. So their intent is to face where that dynamic is unhealthy. An expectation at the end, I will be better and I will have a wonderful relationship with my mother and everything will mm -hmm. be fine. Okay. Um, that can just break the entire thing because what if the thing that this person needs to learn about in that ordeal is that it's okay to say this is unhealthy and I need to walk away? What if what they're learning is, oh my goodness, I've been overly demanding on my mother and I need to repair this relationship. If you have an expectation about what the end result would be before you even start doing the thing, it's going to change how you process that moment. Um, in a similar sense, it's one of the reasons that not telling someone what all of an ordeal ritual is going to look like ahead of time can really help that person be present in the moment of what's happening. And obviously there's a lot of negotiation, a mm -hmm. lot of limit setting, a lot of trust that needs to be built before you can do something like that. Mm -hmm. But when you put those necessary negotiations in place, um, it forces someone not to measure what actually happens against how they thought it would be when you told them what was going to happen. Okay. Um, it's one of the reasons that initiation rituals are so often kept secret is because when you get initiated, you want to be in that moment of feeling that happen and, and experiencing how profound and wonderful it is. Not saying, oh man, I really thought that this part was going to be more moving than it is and it's just not doing it for me. Right. So basically, let go of expectations, mm -hmm. right? And um, we have had a, a ritual where we were asked to be facilitators of somebody's, um, uh, I'm gonna say rebirthing, but it wasn't really a rebirthing ritual. Mm -hmm. And basically they said, well, for 10 minutes I want you to do this, mm -hmm. and then do that, mm -hmm. and then we're gonna do this, and then I'm gonna struggle, and this is gonna be the outcome. Mm -hmm. And ordeal done, that totally didn't work. Right, because we couldn't be into it. Couldn't be so it can still be sacred. So absolutely, one thing absolutely is like sacred. it can be yes. like incredibly profound, and I would put that into a category of sacred kink. And the other thing that I will put in there is that there's the potential for that to turn if the person says, and then I will struggle, and then we'll see what happens. That if they leave been awesome. that opening to what is mm -hmm. it going to be like to struggle? How am I internally going to process that? And saying like we're going to have this whole script and my interest of what that will mean to me is unknown. That's the lack of expectation. Yeah, it doesn't have to be literally not knowing what's going to happen. It can be that internal piece of what does this mean that they don't know. If you think you already know exactly what the ending is, it is just that's. I mean, what it what is ordeal? It's a mirror. Like that's my matter deal is being an ordeal facilitator is taking a mirror and making someone staring at it and say, this is who you are. This is who you really are deep down inside. Can you mm -hmm. look yourself in the eye? Um, and if you already can, then yay, go you. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but I mean, all of us have little bits of us deep down that we need to take a look at every now mm -hmm. and then. We're constantly changing and who knows what's growing in those dark little corners. Can you give us an, an example of uh, an ordeal situation where you were the facilitator and what that was like? I don't know if that's something you're allowed to share or... Uh, yeah, anonymously, uh, certainly. Um, uh, uh, lots. Um, there was, uh, well, taking... Uh, one that was like we were just talking about with um, where things are all spelled out ahead of time of this mm -hmm. is what we're going to do. Um, and it's about what in that moment um, is going to be the issue. Um, I did an ordeal for someone who was struggling over um, choices that they had made with their relationships. 
um, trying to figure out, you know, did I make the right choice? Um, I think that this is what I want to do. I, I think that I, I feel like this is the right decision. I'm just not, you know, I'm just second guessing myself. And so we had this very long um, negotiation phase of talking about like physically what things are on the table, what things are off the table. Um, and they mentioned a couple of things that they definitely wanted to do. They mentioned some things that were really, really scary to them and they weren't really sure. Um, and so uh, I got together with two other facilitators that I know pretty well and work with. And um, we talked about that with this person. Also, these are the people that I want to bring into this. Is that okay with you? All of these things. Um, and we put together three different activities that were all on the list of things. These are things that are okay to do. So none of these are things that are completely out of the blue for them mm -hmm. in, in terms of like, oh, I have no idea how this is going to end. But at the same time, they didn't know which of the many things that we had picked were going to be the ones that we pulled out on that day. Um, and throughout the course of the ordeal, it was a lot of echoing things that they had said to me. I didn't really throw out anything new, um, but I asked back to them questions about, you know, oh, what if I, what if I'm moving to run away from these problems and the problems are there when I'm, and so in the ordeal space, when we were doing a, a cathartic flogging piece of what are you going to do if you find the same problems when you get there? Um, and at the very, very, the sort of culminative piece of this was they had a terrible fear of needles. Mm. Um, and so they, we had said many times, like, you know, is there needles on the table, needles off the table, and it is a thing that I'm very afraid of. We can use it if we need to, but I'm very afraid of it. Um, so the very last thing was, you know, you're afraid you're making a mistake. You're committed to this choice. Is this something that you're willing to do? And I made them, with my careful supervision, Put the needle in themselves. Oh! <laughs> um, and none of these actions by themselves are terribly how they're contextualized in the mind. And so, I mean, sure, I, this is one of those ones where, like, even if I had given them the entire, like, this is what we're going to do first, this is what we're going to do second, this is what we're going to do third, it's setting up the context of what do these actions mean, how does this relate to what you're going through, and in that moment they discovered that they don't need to doubt themselves. Hmm. And it's that key thing where, like, you know, you can say you don't need to doubt yourself, obviously, but it doesn't carry the same right. weight. Right. That's the inarticulable unknowableness of, like, if you already know the thing, then what's the point? Right. Is this a, a style of, um, and I'm going to use the term play, mm -hmm. that you, like, so here we are at, at an event this weekend, and I hear, oh, I hear you're an ordeal facilitator. Hey, it just so happens I've got this thing i got to deal with. How about doing a scene tonight? Uh, no. Like, mm, I'm like, like I, I'm, I hate to say no to anything because that's like inviting the gods to be like, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, I'm really, I'm going to heap a lot of caveats onto my not, 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 not so much. Not uh -huh. generally. Not generally. Okay. Right? But there's a lot of caveats there. Um, sometimes the scene becomes an ordeal. Sometimes you get up there to do some hot, kinky thing, and like this thing that a person's been thinking about pops into their head at the wrong slash right moment, and that's where it goes. Um, and sometimes you can see that coming, and you can er like scoot things away from that and keep it into mm -hmm. your nice, pre-negotiated, happy space. And t sometimes it just happens. 
Um, so even though I don't intentionally do ordeal play as pickup play, has it happened before? Yeah. Um, So it gets very, very complicated very quickly because it's the what, what what qualifies as an ordeal. I've done cathartic floggings at events as a pickup play, mm -hmm. which is kind of on that edge of ordeal. I, right. I feel like it's really in that zone, but it's also something that I negotiate very carefully. That I have a lot of there are a lot of like you know you must have in order for us to consider doing this. Like one of the things is if I'm going to do a cathartic flogging. Um, scene with someone that I meet at an event that I don't know, one of the absolute things is you need to be there with somebody who you know and trust who can handle your aftercare. Mm. Because with any kind of ordeal work, you're going to be processing that for a really long time. And I can sit with you in the dungeon for an hour and make sure you're put back together. But what happens when five hours later you have this epiphany about what that really meant? Right. I want to make sure that if I'm going to do something like this, that the person's going to have the care that they need, even if I can't be there to give it. Mm -hmm. um, it means making sure that that person knows that that's something that they are going to have to be ready to handle, that they might spend the rest of the event with their brain broken into pieces, having to reconfigure their idea of themselves, having had this epiphany. Um, it's somebody that I'm going to say, okay, what kind of resources do you have at home that you can continue to process this? Because just because the event is over doesn't mean your ordeal experience is right. over. Um, do you have a therapist that you can talk to kink about? Um, all of those kinds of questions. And the number of people who are going to have all of those things set up into place and have all of those all of this, you know, yes, definitely, we're all set, mm -hmm. is pretty small. It, yeah. it happens, but it's something to be really careful about and to inform the other person about, like, what are you really getting into? And, and that leads me, what's going. To, I was going to ask about aftercare for this type of situation, and, and you've hit a lot of that. Yeah. Yes. So how did you know mm -hmm. that you wanted to become a facilitator, or what was the thing that threw you into it, or... Yeah. So there was, an, I, I've been teaching in the pagan scene for a lot longer than I've been teaching in the kink scene. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a pagan event that I went to that had a ritual called the Scourge and the Kiss. Okay. And it's this, the Scourge and the Kiss is a throwback to really well-known, um, it's a pretty well-known pagan reference. And so I went thinking like, okay, cool, what is this? I'm going to check it out. Um, and... Because it was kinky, and I knew some of the people who were running the ritual, and they knew me, um, I got to sign to be one of the floggers in this ritual. Uh, and what it involved was a number of people with floggers standing in a circle, and a number of people being flogged standing inside the circle. And the flogging was done as an energy raising. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a lot of structure put around how that was done so that it was consensual to everyone. We knew who we were being paired up with ahead of time. Uh, and it was incredibly profound it was amazing and so i immediately was like well this is definitely what i need to learn how to do um and immediately went and asked the people that i knew who do i go to to learn this um and one was raven caldera and one mm -hmm. was del tashlin mm -hmm. um and so i whenever i could went up to the farm to ask raven to teach me whatever he could um went out to his, his office in Fitchburg to take classes with him. 
Uh, and then I went and spent a weekend with Dell, like an intensive weekend of, okay, so here's all this stuff that you know how to do in terms of crafting pagan ritual. How do you add kink into that to make this sacred kink ordeal experience? Um, and then after all that was done, um, I said, okay, Dell, I finished this intensive training thing. What's next? And he said, well, next you need to go uh, apprentice with someone. You need to go actually assist someone with facilitating an ordeal ritual um, and learn by doing. Mm -hmm. um, so he set me up with Winter, uh, with Winter Song, and Winter Song brought me into um, a kink event. Uh, and I had never, I, like, I'd been to the New England's fetish flea before, but never, like, for the weekend. Right. Uh, I'd never been to a kink event before. Um, and so this was going to be my very first one, and I was going as a ritual facilitator, knowing very little about kink. I had like flogged people before that. That was it. Mm -hmm. um, and my very first one was Dark Odyssey Fusion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Lovely. And that was Love a it. dive into the deep end. Sure. And yeah. it, was a, it was an eye-opening experience. Um, uh, and I got to be one of the facilitators for, for that year's ordeal track. And... Uh, it was amazing. It was mm -hmm. an amazing experience, and I've poured every ounce of my nerddom into trying to learn more about it. Nice. Um. It's neat that you touched in on how much time you spent apprenticing and learning beforehand. What do you say, if anyone's ever said this to you, um, that, hey, are you a trained psychologist? You're fucking with things that you don't get. You don't have an eight-year mm, doctorate degree, question. right? Yep. Um, have you ever had anyone say that to you? So I have had one person who was a trained psychologist show up at a class before and talk about how this is really intense psychology. And I have said, yes, 100% correct. Um, one of the things that I advocate really strongly is that not only should ordeal seekers or people going through ordeal rituals, not only should they see therapists, if at all possible, um, but facilitators should too. I have a therapist, I see her every week, and I am not ashamed to talk about it because we are messing with people's brains. And the human brain is great at taking stuff that's inside us and shoving it onto other people. Um, and so in my mind, part of being an ethical ordeal facilitator um, is trying in my absolute best to be as self-aware as I possibly can be about what shit I've got going on that I'm likely to shove onto another person. And so when mm. someone comes to me saying, I really need to work on this, and I'll be like, maybe not me. Right. <laughs> because I have issues around that very thing, and it's going to be really hard for me to hear what your solution is if I'm so focused on what mine is. Um, um, I've had that happen before, yeah. Another piece of it is I will look at resilience factors, and mm -hmm. there are lots of different um, psychology groups and studies and publications that have a different list of resilience factors, um, and there's a pretty decent amount of overlap amongst what they are. Um, and I will really strongly encourage people to go through, when they're going through ordeal, to stack up as many resilience factors as they can. Um, because what determines whether a person takes a challenging experience and integrates that in a constructive way versus a negative way is those resilience factors. Um, the more you have, the more likely you are to process something positively. So I accept I'm not perfect and I'm not going to like magically make everyone better with everything that I do. So I need to stack the odds in their favor as much as I can. So things like 
what is their economic environment at home. Mm -hmm. um, if they're stressed out about paying the bills, it's going to be much harder to think through what just happened and figure out what they can learn from it than if they have a wonderful, comfortable situation where they can take several days off from work and figure stuff out. Um, how many people know about what you are doing? How many people can you talk to about it? What's your community support like? Um, what kind of access to medical care do you have? Um, and it's not like a hard and fast, oh, if someone fails in one of these, then they can't ordeal because that's ridiculous. Our world mm -hmm. is hard and everyone has different resources. But it's a matter of pointing out for a person what are the resources that they have, highlighting those for them and saying, look, if something happens, if something goes sideways, if you're struggling with this, go and seek strength from these resources that you've got, pointing out those resilience factors so they're more likely to reach for them. Mm -hmm. um, that in and of itself can help someone. Um, Very cool. And another piece of it is that like, I, I nerd ceaselessly. Um, I research all the time um, as much as I can, reading um, books, talking to my own therapist, uh, talking to what, whatever therapist I can convince to talk to me about it, um, and then informing people that, yeah, this is messing with psychology. This mm -hmm. is messing with people's brains. Um, and if they're aware of that risk and they're consenting to it, I'm very much of the opinion that like, okay, we're, we are consenting adults, but right. it needs to be informed consent. So it mm -hmm. falls under the same RAC or, or SSC, depending on yes. what you want to do. Okay. Um, yes, but I do absolutely believe very strongly that it should be something that we're disclosing. Mm -hmm. We should be telling people there is real neuroscience and real psychology in what we're doing right. with ordeal work, and it's a fallible process. Okay. Next. Oh, so I do have a question with that, though. Yeah. So do you believe in the woo? Oh, yeah. I mean, as a pagan, I'm assuming so. Yes. But do you believe, yes, we are scientifically, you know, messing with people's brains mm -hmm. and psychology and things like that. Yes. But do you go with the intuition? Do you go with the being ridden? Do you go with that stuff in ordeal? Yes. Is that part of, yeah. Yes, to all of the above. Uh, the, the issue of, uh, the, the question I get answered a lot in classes is, mm -hmm. uh, in classes about ordeal, and especially in the cathartic flagging, flogging class, is how do you know what question to ask? Mm -hmm. And um, I have a lot of like formulaic, this is what I say in the class of the, you know, the safest bet is to um, spit back at them the things that they've said, to just be the mirror, because you're least likely to do damage with that. Um, with someone that knows how I rock the woo and is consenting to their being woo involved, um, it's intuition. It mm. is that feeling of where's the need in this moment. Um, or listening to what is the spirit of the deity that guides them that's saying this is what they need to face. Um, but even that, like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a stickler for informed consent. Like even yeah. that, I will talk to someone about how much of this is a spiritual process for you and how much of it is a psychological process. And I will do my very best to keep things into that realm of what the person wants mm. to do. Nice. Very cool. All right, one more question for you, if you don't mind. Sure. It's a two-part question. Okay. Part one is, do you consider this a calling? What do you mean by this? <laughs> uh, being an ordeal facilitator. I believe that it is one piece of my calling, yes. Okay. So the actual question is, we're about to go up into the dungeon and look around, and there's going to be a lot of people that are not doing this kind of scene. Mm -hmm. They're doing a simple bend me over and spank me. Slap and, and tickle. Slap and tickle. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you ever look around and go, you know, 
why can't I just be a slap and tickle? Why can't I just be like everybody else and do the slap and tickle mm. thing? There are days when I don't ever like walk into the dungeon and wish for that because energy is so amazing and beautiful and, and delicious. And I, I think it would be very sad to not taste it or see it or feel mm -hmm. it. Um, but there are times when I'm like looking for a partner and I'm like, damn it, why can't I just be normal? Because having to explain all this woo stuff to someone that you're trying mm -hmm. to date gets like, yeah, there's a part of my own brain that's like, oh, this dude, you're crazy. Mm. Um, but at the, what is the root of what my calling is, is, uh, the, the, the maxim that I follow, that I have written on all my, on my cards that I hand out to people is be only what you are and be all that you are. That is what I feel like my calling really is, is to help people acknowledge and accept and embrace everything that they are and not try to pile on anything else that isn't really them and allow themselves to be all of the things that they are um, and accept how that changes and grows and adapts over time. And so walking into a dungeon, seeing some people doing the slapping and the tickling, well, that's part of who they are. They, mm -hmm. In their own way, they're doing that thing. And just because it's not my thing, that doesn't mean that that's not something that I would consider sacred in its own way. Right. Very cool. How can people find out more either about you or about the Ordeal Facilitation? So in terms of Ordeal Facilitation, I am currently working on a book called Suffering for Spirit um, mm. that you know, I was totally like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll get this book out in like a year and a half. It'll be fun. No, this is a big project. Yeah. Um, so it'll be a while, but it's in the works at the moment. Um, also, Sacred Kink by Lee Harrington is a really mm -hmm. excellent book that has a good section on the ordeal path. Um, and Dark Moon Rising by Raven mm -hmm. Caldera is another really good book. Um, in terms of learning more about me, I have a website that is thistaminai.com. Um, and all the stuff that I'm up to, all the classes that I have is all posted up there. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast tonight. You're very I welcome. certainly learned a lot. Absolutely. And it's really interesting to see uh, some of the experiences that Donna and I have to be validated that other people are having similar at experiences. The <laughs> at the same events. At the same different years. Yeah. Um, at this point, though, the, the only ordeal I have to deal with right now is blue balls, and Dawn's going to help me with that. Nice.